When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bolin. And we've got a topic today that, um, well, you suggested this one to me, and uh, it's, it's an interesting topic. I think you probably know a lot more about this than I do. Um, we're talking about car hacking today. Yeah, yeah, we are. And we're not, ta- when we say hacking, we're not saying it in that kind of pop culture way when people are saying stuff like, you know, Hack your Altoids 10 and make it a new, neat, crafty thing. Find a way to make your windshield wipers work better or something like that. Right. We're not talking about hacking as in minor improvements or tweaks. We're talking about hacking as in penetrating the system of a car to make it do things against the will of the driver. Mm -hmm. Any critical systems in your car, uh, attacking those and and then somehow altering what they do, what their function is, the way that they operate. Right. And it sounds it sounds a little bit like it could be in, you know, the born identity or maybe taken three if that ever comes out. Wait, Mm -hmm. did you ever see taken? I am. No, this is becoming increasingly important to our podcast. I am going to buy the DVD of taken. Really? I'm going to give it to you for your birthday. Fair enough. I'll I'll watch it if you give it to me. Okay, deal. And everybody listening, hold us to it Um, just because all of my references to that film are falling flat. So taken is an action film. Whatever, right? So taken as an action film, just like uh, James Bond, Born Identity kind of stuff. Picture that. That's what car hacking sounds like, you know, as though some shadowy organization has taken their top secret evil guy cell phone, typed in a code, and all of a sudden the heroine's Camry is going 98 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. But what we wanted to do in this podcast is talk about whether or not there's any truth to that strange hypothetical situation. Um, and if so, how much of it is real? How much of it is exaggerated? 
And what does it mean? Well, I guess, I mean, I've, I've heard this kind of thrown around quite a bit recently is that, you know, they say that the more connected we are, the more vulnerable we are, right? Yeah. I mean, especially we're, we're talking, well, I mean, obviously with the recent news about all the, uh, the leaked information, the, uh, oh, like the NSA stuff. Yeah, exactly. The NSA. I couldn't come up with the, uh, the acronym there, but the NSA stuff that's been happening recently. Um, so is it, is it true that, you know, we're, we're this open when we're talking about Really, our cars and trucks. I mean, I understand that you know devices that we're potentially using for a lot of personal information. Um, okay. I understand that that's vulnerable. How vulnerable are cars and trucks, really? I mean, it just doesn't seem to make sense to me. Like, what's the, what's the benefit of all that, really? Yeah, and that's a that's a great question. But the, I feel like that's two questions in one. So let's tackle the first one, the first part of it, which is how vulnerable are cars and trucks. And then let's tackle the second part, which is what's the benefit. Okay. Um, maybe toward the end, because that's a that's a little bit uh, more more of a difficult thing to crack. Well, first, when we talk about the vulnerability of cars and trucks, modern vehicles, then we have to talk about ECUs or electronic control units, mm-hmm. and uh, you know all about that. So, what what would that be at the most basic level? Well, okay, I mean that's that's a pretty simple one. That's the engine control unit. Um, some people also call that the powertrain control module, which is usually PCM is what they they mm-hmm. abbreviate that. But um, and that's typically, I mean, that's what you're going to find in fuel injected engines. Uh, so anything from like the late 1970s to early 19, uh, maybe the early 1980s through today, um, a lot of those cars are going to be vulnerable versus is like a carbureted car, which doesn't rely on an ECU for fuel programming, that type of thing. You know, the multiple sensors that that you know send data back to this this one processor, which is the ECU, and it interprets all this data uh, that that it that takes in, and then it adjusts everything accordingly, so that your car operates in a smooth manner and has all these parameters that it that mm-hmm. it flo- it's like a computer. It's right. a small computer in your car, and there's there's a lot of these. I mean, most of them. Are you know these uh, these these satellite sensors? I guess that send information back to these main control units. So, like the ECU is one of the main control modules, and then it's got a lot of sensors that it, that send data back to it. Yeah, think of like nerves talking to nerves in a limb talking to the brain. Exactly. I mean, but it controls a lot of very important things. I mean, it'll control like the air fuel ratio, mm-hmm. idle speed. Um, if your car has electronic valving, it can control you know when the valves open and close. Um, or the rate at which they open and close, mm-hmm. um, ignition timing. I mean, you can you can set with with the ECU. You can reset the rev limits in the car. The fuel efficiency can be kind of adjusted. You know whether it runs rich or lean. Uh, fuel mapping, gear selection, uh, just all these different things are run through this one control module. And then you know you got to remember that there's there's many many control modules in a car. It's not just that one. I mean, I, there's a there's a whole list of of control modules and sensors, of course, and a lot of them are. A lot of them are sensors that people call, you know, um, ECUs modules rather. Yeah. Well, not ECUs. ECU ECU is one specific thing. Right, it's right. One, I'm sorry, well, they, it's, but a lot of the sensors are a specific purpose module. Correct, and they and they send back information to this main unit. But then there are other other main units as well that control different things. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and. It's nearly impossible to keep up with every manufacturer and every module that they have, but cars are being built with more and more, and that's probably not a surprise to anybody. Right, yeah. There's one recent estimate that suggests the typical luxury sedan contains over 100 megabytes of binary code spread across 50 to 70 independent computers. That sounds terrifying. So it's also really convenient, but as, as a backyard mechanic, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, the reason that I, I don't like it that much is 
That sounds like something you and I couldn't just fix at your garage. Oh, that's definitely something you can't fix on your own. That's there's right. not there's not enough duct tape. Correct for that. Yeah. But the the idea here that that you raised is a really great and interesting point, which is: is this increasing sophistication a double edged sword? Has increasing the electronic sophistication of our average daily drivers also increased our vulnerability? to uh, sophisticated forms of hacking? Mm-hmm. And the answer, unfortunately, is yes. Yeah, and those hackers, that's that's what they do. They, they highlight or they they focus on those vulnerabilities and they and they just make them into uh, um, an example. You know, they say, like, here's what I can do. It does, isn't that scary? And that's what they're doing right now, and that's what we're seeing in a lot of these articles and video uh-huh. clips online that we, we can watch that so, you know, show people doing different things with different cars that... You know, that, that frightens people to say, like, oh, my gosh, somebody can, can you know, prevent my car from braking if they want to. They can turn it left at, you know, a 90-degree angle if they want um, at will. That's scary stuff, but is that really the reality? Is that really what's – I mean, is that what's happening? I, maybe we'll get into that later on, yeah. I guess. But, but first, tell me, Ben, because you know a little bit more about this. Like, who may be somebody who would do something like this? Is ah, it, yeah. I mean, is it just kind of the average car mechanic that's into this kind of thing, or is it? <laughs> is it? I mean, it's not really somebody who's in the past been kind of a wrench turner, you know, that they would pick this thing up. I mean, not that they can't, but it's more on the lines of like a computer scientist or somebody who would be interested in this, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's more someone who would be interested in how to, in the question of how do we access and exploit that code? Mm -hmm. How do we put a malicious program of some sort in there? So it's um, the person who's doing this is not the same person who would just break a window and take the your the face of your radio or something. Sure, but um, not yet. Not yet, at least, unless it's that simple. So, oddly enough, these sorts of exploits or vulnerabilities have been known to people who are interested for uh, some time now, and we know about it because we've seen some studies uh, that I that I have here. I'm the one with obsessive notes today. Yeah, you've got a pile of notes there. <laughs> and um, we've also seen some demonstrations uh, by what are often called white hat hackers. So uh, for anyone not familiar with that terminology, uh, there's there are often uh, two categories of hackers that are broken down to people. And I don't know how accurate this is. There are white hat hackers who are sort of the good guys and the white hat hackers will um, find uh, a vulnerability in a system. You know, like how do you how do you get somebody's personal information or credit card information out of maybe using Amazon once or twice? And they find that way out. But the reason they do that is to show it to Amazon or show it to authorities and say, this is what happens. Here's the problem. Fix it so that they can kind of ensure the safety and shore up the security. Now, so they don't do it for their own benefit. Right. And and uh, black hat hackers, of course, would be the people who are a bit more mercenary about it. So this our story here, the, the reason this has come up in the news recently, two guys that we can go ahead and call white hat hackers, Charlie Miller and Chris Balasek, did a DARPA-funded study. Now, we remember DARPA, right? Of course, yeah. They're yep. the... Uh, 
They're the mad science department of the United States government. Sure, yeah, but they do all kinds of really cool projects. I mean, they had the uh, the X Prize. Is that the X Prize? Is that I'm thinking of something different? Uh, that's the that's the space race one. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, I was thinking of something different. But they also had the uh, the autonomous car challenge that they mm-hmm. did. Yeah. Um, they've got that creepy looking walking robot. <laughs> um, you know, the one that looks like a, a weird dog or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, they've got a lot of cool toys and a lot of uh, they do a lot of interesting projects. In right that, in that arm, right, and they are one of the groups that has been instrumental in the move toward autonomous vehicles. They also funded um, Miller and Balasek as these gentlemen conducted an experiment to see if it was possible to hack a car, and if so, how to hack a car. And spoiler alert: they succeeded. There is actually a video you can watch right now. Um, online with these gentlemen demonstrating the car hacks. And that was what I was mentioning when uh, when it looks a little bit terrifying. And, you know, I said that, you know, they can control the brakes, they can control, you know, whether the vehicle turns left or right. And um, these guys were sitting in the back seat where, where the journalist was driving. And, uh, you know, they said they weren't going to put themselves and, and him in any danger, supposedly, right? Uh-huh. Uh, but they were in kind of an open field area, a back lot somewhere. And, uh, you know, they would just kind of mess with the systems, like, you know, go ahead and drive straight forward. And uh, they would tell the, the vehicle that uh, to display that, you know, they're traveling 199 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And they did that and it changed to that. And then they switched it back down to, I don't know, five or one or something, which caused the seatbelts to tighten up because it thought that, you know, it had instantly gone from 199 to one mile an hour. Um, so, you know, the seatbelts tighten up. And then they did that intentionally. They tightened up the seatbelts on him. Um, it was kind of a, a jerking, you know, fast motion. It was kind of scary to watch. The pretensioner is firing. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, you know, then they shifted the car into different gears and they, uh, they made the horn go off, you know, for an, an extended period of time. There's nothing he could do to stop it. Yeah. Um, all kinds of different things. I mean, there was just, and they could steer the car from the back seat with just the use of a keyboard. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, 
I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Yeah, and I think the scariest part is, for me, one of the scariest parts was either seeing the the steering wheel move, apparently of its own volition, Mm -hmm. or seeing him hit the brakes without doing anything. Because anybody who's ever had a brake line problem knows that it is terrifying when the brake pedal just goes down and does nothing absolutely absolutely but they were uh they were also you know one thing that we need to point out is that they were in the vehicle and they were plugged into a communication port right they were plugged into a data port and this is i'm glad you said this scott because this is something that is crucial to the argument here they did not have what we would call a wireless hack they had physical access to the two cars that they reverse engineered. Those two cars were 2009 Toyota Prius and a Ford Escape, which I believe was also an 09. Mm-hmm. And with these vehicles, what they had done is they had taken the software of the ECU and they had found, they had written their own software to, in, to inject within this system via a physical connection. And when they were doing this, they were able to sit there with their computers plugged in mm-hmm. and manipulate the car that way. And so Toyota responded to this, uh, just for the record, Toyota said that they didn't really consider this hacking because of that, that huge catch. Because with, of the physical connection. Right, because of the physical connection. So we don't, in this case, we don't really have some sort of action movie scenario where, you know, Dr. No or whatever is steering somebody gleefully on his cell phone. Yeah. That sitting happened. sitting on a hillside watching them approach a, a tight corner, mm. you know, with the cliff, you know, on the edge and, and and you know suddenly the steering and the brakes go out. Nothing like that. This is like these guys are in the back of the car plugged in saying, "Okay, just for a second I'm going to I'm going to take the braking ability away." Uh-huh. Uh, and then and then reinstate it, you know, allow it to happen again cuz uh you know, I don't want to hurt myself either. But the the real fear, the real threat I guess would be if there was a wireless attack on a car if somebody were able to somehow wirelessly hack into the systems and that's what Toyota was was careful about saying is that uh, we we specifically you know tell our engineers to protect these cars against wireless attacks you know mm-hmm. that they're not able to be controlled remotely in any way um and that was uh, that was the distinction that they said is that you know it's it's a very important distinction to make that you know these these cars right now can't be wirelessly attacked. I mean, not to say that it won't happen in the near future, that they can't, you know, that, you know, because it's a cat and mouse game. You know, the way the engineers develop products and then right. the hackers try to, to hack those products. Well, I've got some news to lay on you now, but I promise you that all of our cars are okay, are, are probably okay. 
All of our cars are okay asterisk. <laughs> uh, we'll get to Probably. the asterisk. Yeah, there's a reason that Miller and Valasek did not try to do wireless or remote access to hack. Why is that? Well, a team of researchers at University of Washington, University of California in San Diego already found that they could wirelessly penetrate some of the same critical systems that these guys targeted, that Miller and Valasek targeted. Hmm. And the way that they did this relied on a couple of different things. Uh, they looked at some Bluetooth bugs, some uh, Android apps, that's Android software, seeing if they could establish a cellular connection kind of rogue uh, mimicking OnStar, and even seeing if they could put a, a malicious uh, MP3 file on a CD. <laughs> and this stuff was all, you know, theoretical proof of concept POC stuff. But from what they found on their papers here, they constructed a couple of challenging and scary, frankly, scary scenarios if they could happen. So we'll just talk briefly about these scenarios. But before we do, Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great. You see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remote hack. Yeah. Is it possible? Is it possible? Here's the strange thing. So according to these uh, these papers that we mentioned earlier from 2010, 2011, uh, this, it is theoretically possible for someone to remotely hack a car. Uh, what you can look for if you want to read more about these studies uh, would be two that we can recommend. That's Experimental Security Analysis of a Modern Automobile. I know, it's a racy title, right? That's pretty long. Yeah, and then there's Comprehensive Experimental Analyses of Automotive Attack Surfaces. Oh, that's far better. Yeah, it rolls off the tongue, right? <laughs> so in these, in these, they found a couple of different things. First, they said that in their introductions, they say the same thing we did. Like, all of the network hacks for cars, control, yet, control area network or CAN access hacks, have... Uh, require prior physical access. Um, so it was an open question if automobiles could be susceptible to remote compromise. In the comprehensive experimental analyses, this is the one that found exploitation is feasible via a broad range of what they call attack vectors. So that's the CD players. That's the Bluetooth, the cell, cellular radio. That's even mechanical tools in case you have an evil genius mechanic. What about keys? Because uh, there's a there's a current UK court case going on. Um, in this date, uh, some of these these articles are right up to this date. I mean, late July, early August, um, where in the United Kingdom, a judge has ruled that three computer scientists may not publish a paper uh, that contains or describes how a weakness in a cryptographic algorithm. Uh, can identify ignition keys in certain vehicles, and those those vehicles are Volkswagen vehicles. Um, there's a there's a weakness there. That includes, of course, Porsche, Audi, Bentley, Lamborghini, and of course VW proper. Um, and VW says that the information can be used to steal their cars. And the the way that they're coming back with this, the the researchers or the hackers, I guess, are saying um, these computer scientists. I don't know what to call them. I guess um, <laughs> they're coming back and they're claiming that you know if. If the info is, the, the, all this info, information is available online and that they told the company about the problem nine months prior to this, uh, but nothing was done. So there's this security flaw in, well, potential security flaw in millions of Volkswagen products at this point, um, you know, via the, this ignition key situation that, you know, hackers may be able to, you know, um, override, you know, car mobilizer systems and be able to drive away with cars with the, with the wrong key. And I don't know if, you know, maybe that's not the case. Maybe they'll be able to just get into the vehicles, uh, because they're, what they're doing is able, they're able to take the information from the key. And I would assume they'd be able to do, make a dummy key that would work, right? Right. Yeah. That's, that's the idea. And what, What's being um, banned from public discussion in that in that paper is the method that the researchers, the computer scientists themselves, use to access that. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, honestly, it's a difficult thing to tackle from VW is in because this is a this is a computer thing, but it's not like it's not like the company can issue. A fleet-wide patch. No, this is. I mean, like I said, this could be. 
potentially millions of Volkswagen products, and I don't think that they're probably the only one that's vulnerable to something like this. I would think that there's got to be gaps somewhere in other automakers' security. It's just... You know, if if somebody works hard enough, they're going to be able to exploit that area that's that's a weakness or that they see as a weakness, and somehow make that work for them. And that's that's really what the heart of all this is: is that you know, these hackers find that one weakness, that one loophole, that one little opening, and then they just expose that. Right. And when we were covering this, when we started looking at this, it's strange when you think about that side of it because you don't want. As a car owner or a car manufacturer, you don't want that knowledge out in the ether, you know? Absolutely. How can you protect yourself against something like that? And that's really the mission that Charlie Miller and Chris Valasek were were going on. They're both directors or security engineers. Uh, Valasek, I think, is a director of security at a place called IO Active. And they went with the knowledge that they gained. They're the guys who did the escape in the Prius, of course. They went to a hacking convention, pretty much a hacking convention, called DEFCON. Um, and that was in that was this month, as we're recording this, August of 2013. Oh, and excuse me, I think their test cars were 2010 Ford Escape and Toyota Prius. Okay, so a little more modern. A little more modern. But the idea here is that by demonstrating what could happen, we can better prepare... Uh, in the future for those kind of exploits. So again, they're white hat hackers and mm-hmm. that, uh, they're, they're saying like, here's, here's what we've been able to do. What are you going to do to fix this? Because here's the, here are the weaknesses that we found. Now fix them. Right. And they, um, really are hacking. We said they were accessing the ECUs for mm-hmm. each car's features, but what they're really accessing is their, their kind of, their swindling occurs. Their bait and switch of programming mm-hmm. occurs at the, the can. So the, Central Access Network, the Car Access Network. So they use the CAN bus, right? Yeah, the CAN bus is really the communication system that, uh, the way that the vehicle communicates from module to module. That's the the system that it operates on. So yeah. that's the way the modules control uh, can can talk to each other, right? And they interrupt that. Yeah, they interrupt it and insert their own code. Now they also, um, just so we can get this out here, these are also not just interested parties who were. You know, they're not, they're not new to this at all is what I'm saying. There's, mm-hmm. there's a heck of a learning curve. The only way that these guys were able to do this is because they are, um, well-intentioned, I would say beneficial, um, brilliant men. And when they built off of this earlier research or in comparison to some of this earlier research, uh, what, what we have learned then is that it's quite possible that this technology has already existed for time in, in some form. You know, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised, not to sound conspiratorial, Scott, but I wouldn't be surprised if this was something that DARPA already kind of knew about. I, you know, I kind of get the same feeling. And, of course, you know, this is a government-funded study that we talked about. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I have the same feeling that if we know this, then how far advanced are they? Because they don't tell us what they really know. And everybody knows that. I, I know what you're saying. You know, it sounds a little conspiratorial, but... But really, they're not going to release what they know right now. We're kind of behind the curve on this. You know, it's 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 something that you know we know that they're a little bit more advanced than what we know already. In fact, they're probably a lot more advanced. Now, can I can I mention one thing though? Yeah. You said that you know this has kind of already been out there. I, I initially when I when I thought about this when we, and you mentioned this as a topic, right away my my thoughts went to GM's OnStar program 
Ah, yeah, and, and it's good that you mentioned that. And I have a question for you because now, I mean, is that is GM's OnStar system really considered like a hacking system because, or a hack because car owners pay extra for that? They know it's there. GM designs it to do exactly what it what it does. Mm-hmm. They know everything that it can do. But I think there's some surprises along the way in that you know I've seen some video of like a police chase that was ended via OnStar. You know, they they simply contacted uh OnStar and said, you know, shut down the uh shut down the fuel system and uh I don't know if they they actually pulled the vehicle off to the curb or not, but the the, the vehicle came you know rolled to a stop, the doors were locked uh mm-hmm. to keep the the suspects suspects in the the car that they were chasing. I mean, it seems like I mean, it can be used for good purposes like that, but I don't know if GM's OnStar system would be considered a system that that is a hack, really. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so because what this goes back to some of the stuff that we have talked about when we talk about autonomous cars or the idea of having some sort of infrastructure, right? Something else in control, right? A Skynet for cars mm-hmm. for all the Terminator fans out there, <laughs> and and OnStar is sort of. You know, sci-fi drama aside, it is sort of the Skynet for those enabled cars. And I don't think it's a hack because the hack implies that there is something, a little DIY, do-it-yourself, or um, something away from the original purpose. I totally agree. But then there's those little things, you know, that they're able to do in addition to. And it's not, I'm not saying that they're hacking their own system, but I'm saying that they're activating different things that, that people may not know are there. They're hidden systems. They're hidden technologies. They're, they're able to, uh, able to do things that maybe, you know, if you had read the fine print on the contract, uh, yeah. maybe you would have had a hint at it and had to really think like, oh, what does this really mean to me? Uh, most people don't read all that fine print. Sure. But, yeah. uh, but I bet that those, uh, those suspects were in that high speed chase were surprised when suddenly, you know, the vehicle stops. Yeah. The and capabilities. The door, and the doors lock on their, uh, by themselves and the windows won't come down and, you know, oh, the, you know, you're trapped in the vehicle. That is, that is, uh. And it's all being done via satellite. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, now that you're saying that, I'm, I'm getting a little bit freaked out. Not okay. that I was planning to steal a car. Okay. And just, and just, you know, a couple more quick things that sure, I sure. had because, yeah. you know, I'm kind of the, uh, I'm riding along on this episode. You know, I, I'm, I'm learning from you on this, but, um, I, I, as far as evil, per, you know, using it for good, I understand that, you know, these guys, these white hat hackers, mm. they, they're able to, you know, tell people what's wrong and, and please fix this because there's a, a security issue, there's a mm. safety issue, whatever. Yeah. Um, being used for evil, I can, I can completely see that in that, you know, as far as like car theft, obviously, things like that, you know, like it's maybe easy to unlock someone's car doors, you know, like to with the key replication thing. Right. Uh, to be able to access a vehicle, to be able to steal a vehicle or even maybe just steal what's inside the vehicle. Yeah, it seems like a lot of work. I understand if you have some kind of key cloner. Sure. That can uh, compromise security, uh, wireless entry, but it does seem like a lot of work. To just steal a car. But, but I guess a lot of people will instantly think like, okay, if somebody's accessing the systems in my car, they're not really, they're not thinking that way. They're probably thinking, man, what if, what if I'm driving down the road and someone takes control of my car and steers me into that wall over there? And I know right. it's a, it's kind of a silly thought because really, I mean, how many, how many of us are really wanted or, or, you know, um, 
or on the run that way that you know somebody would want to do that to us or or you know and it would have to look like a car accident yeah i I guess so i mean it i mean you know trying to kill somebody or to to, uh quote send a message to somebody you know like in the movies you know like a (laughs) uh, like a like a mob hit or something we're out of horses it's it's not quite (laughs) like that and and but that's what you know initially people think of that and it's not really that way it's it's sure it's dangerous right because you know what we've seen that they can control Mm -hmm. steering and braking and all that but um but really, I mean, it's not its not anything like what we think. It's probably used for theft more than anything. Yeah, so that's thats a good point because it's, it's easy to start to go down that path and think, oh, now every car accident is suspicious yeah. or something like that, you know? Sure. And I don't know, um, I don't know how accurate that could be because we have to keep in mind that these hacks that are being demonstrated are hacks that have been res- researched by experts for months or even years, mm-hmm. and the tools that they have come up with, the software that they have created, uh, works under closely controlled conditions because that's the nature of science. We have to have an understanding of as many variables as possible and control over those variables. Um, the the way I think it was Charlie Miller um, who said this, the way that they phrased it was, "We're addressing something that's not a problem yet, but we think it could be in some in some time." You know and one of those sort of ominous sooner than you think things. Sure. So in conclusion, what I can say with this is that, um, is that yes, it is possible to hack, uh, parts of cars. Yes, to a degree, it is true that the increasing electronic sophistication of vehicles does make them increasingly vulnerable to electronic means of compromise. But with all that being said, um, the technology and expertise required to access a car this way is far from widespread so, at this point. So as far as like, you know, a driver preventing a car hack, um, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily something you need to worry about right now. Yeah. I mean, there's safety concerns. You know, there are ways that you can protect yourself versus somebody cloning your keys, obviously. You know, sure, sure. Maintain control of your keys at all times. Make sure that there's no one kind of wandering around with some type of code reader or something as, right. you're, uh, as you're entering your vehicle. I, I don't know. I mean, that seems a little tougher to, to, to guard yourself against. But you don't really need to do anything right now to prevent a car hack from happening. You don't need to buy lead shields for your ECU. <laughs> right, you don't, right. You don't need to, uh, you know, beef up the security on your car in any way to, to you know, the, the electronic security in your car um, more than you normally would. It's I've, not something that you yeah. have to actively pursue at this point. Right. I've got some, yeah, I've got some great advice here, two pieces of advice. Uh, first, don't let your hacker friends, no matter how well-intentioned they might seem, spend 10 months tinkering with your car and installing data ports. That that's, is that's a good advice. Sign. That's a, at least a yellow flag. That's very good advice. Thank you. And and secondly, if you're feeling, if for some reason you do feel really paranoid, we, we hope this podcast hasn't made you paranoid, but if you do feel that way, then um, ask yourself if you really need to have enabled Bluetooth access to your car. Maybe you could just call them when you get to wherever you're going. Fair enough. And uh, on that note, I think there's an interesting thing. I'd like to return to it in the future to see what happens. But um, yeah. I mean, realistically, it's nothing we need to worry about right now. Yeah, realistically, there's nothing you need to worry about unless you are a secret agent being hunted by other secret agents. I, I don't know. Or unless you, like, personally prank call DARPA constantly. And they're gonna send you a message. <laughs> I feel kind of the same way. I don't. I don't feel threatened by this very much. No, no. I, I. I don't think. I don't think it's a threatening thing yet. But I think 
that the people, the researchers, the computer scientists who are showing us the possibilities here, I, I commend their actions. Oh, sure. Because they are, because they are acts of charity and it's stuff that, it's stuff that people should know. And of course, I've got the number one silver bullet advice. What's that? How to prevent these kind of car hacks. What's that? Buy a classic car. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, no electronics involved and, uh, and you're, uh, you're hack free, I guess, right? Finally, you have an excuse to get that 50 Chevy, that 50s Chevy, right? Exactly. Um, all right. So that's it. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We are going to, uh, bow out gracefully to our hopefully unhacked cars. Uh, you can drop us a line. Let us know what you think about car hacking. Let us know what you, uh, would like to hear in the future. You can holler at us on Facebook. You can talk to us on Twitter. Oh, I guess you can tweet us on Twitter. Or if you'd like to cut out the social media rigmarole altogether, you can send us an email at carstuff at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.